call it Wana. Now, before we jump into it, I need to take a minute here and thank the sponsor for this episode, the Improved Photography Retreat 2018. Our Improved Photography team, we look at things and teach and encourage photographers in ways that I, I hope you feel like are pretty different from a lot of other educational areas or or services that are trying to help you improve your photography. It's right there in the name. We want to help everyone improve their photography and our yearly conference is no exception. We want the conference to be different from all the others and that's why we don't call it a conference. We call it a retreat. Our goal is to provide a fun, hands-on learning environment for all skill levels of photography. There'll be something there for every type and every experience level of photographer at this retreat. From those just getting started all the way up to the well-seasoned professional. So if you're hearing this episode as it's released in late May 2017, tickets for the retreat are available over at improvephotography.com slash retreat for just $459. Now I get it, $459 may seem like quite a bit of money to many of you listening. I know it is for me as I operate my photography on a, on a hobbyist budget. But I promise that investing in this retreat will improve your photography more than that new lens or that new camera body that you might have your eye on. If you're a subscriber to IP Plus or attended the retreat in 2017, then you can get tickets for $50 off. There's only 250 tickets available. Based on the feedback I've been hearing, they're going to go fairly fast, so you probably need to get over there. I hope you'll really consider buying a ticket Joining me and many of the other IP podcast hosts, along with some of the incredible non-IP photography talent, for a week of just total immersion into photography and improving your photography. All right, with that, let's get into some detail in this podcast about photography. That it's going to be tough to make it be a lot about photography when we're going to go into a lot of things about computers today and how to defend yourself from malware and ransomware. So let me kind of walk you through what ransomware is in particular, since WANA is what's made all this news, and I want to kind of go through what it is for you who may not quite understand why and how it is causing so many problems. All right, so first off, it's called ransomware because it's bad software that takes your important and irreplaceable files on your computer hostage. And then it demands a ransom to be paid in order to get them back. And I'm using those words very deliberately because everyone knows, you know, you can think of the movies or the TV shows or whatever where ransoms happen. And usually people get taken hostage and then they have to pay a ransom and there's all the drama around it. Well, that's kind of exactly what they're trying to do. Only instead of it being a person, thank goodness, it's not a person here. It's a file on your computer or all of your files, your really important files on your computer that are being taken ransom or taken hostage and you don't get access to them unless you pay the ransom. The really cruel thing is they're not moving these files anywhere else. They're not taking them off your computer and moving them out to someplace else. Nope, they're right there on your computer exactly where you had them. It's just the way that things work. It You don't have access to them anymore. It leaves them right there. And it, so it uses really good encryption techniques to make it impossible for anyone who doesn't have the key to decrypt them back to what they were before this bad software got onto your computer. Now, if that doesn't make sense, okay, I'm going to make a really unfair analogy because it's not at all what's going on technically, but just to try to get the thought process the same as a photographer, you can think of it a little bit like bad guys maybe getting into your house when you're not there, your house or your office, kind of gathering up all the hard drives, like the one inside your computer, all your external drives, 
even you like your uh, your Synology or your Drobo or whatever kind of uh, big device you might have with a lot of hard drives, all of them, every one of those devices, anything that was connected to your computer, it's going to grab all of those and they're going to lock them up in, let's let's call it an indestructible safe, fireproof, bounce-proof, bomb-proof, whatever. It's indestructible. It can't be broken. And then leaving a note, a sign on the door while you were gone, they did this to you, that says, okay, if you would like the key, or maybe combination, but we'll say the key because it is a key for decryption. Anyway, if you would like the key to open this indestructible safe and retrieve, get out your hard drives again so that you have access to them, Here's the location you can send payment, and we'll send you a key so that you can open it. Oh, and the note would also have to say that there's also a little device inside there with your drives that's going to go off in a relatively short period of time and destroy your drives. Maybe some like incendiary device or tiny explosive thing, let's say, and it's on a timer and the timer's ticking. And when that thing goes off, your hard drive, you're not going to be able to get it anymore. Again, totally unfair analogy. This is not even close to what the technology is doing, but the rough idea kind of matches. So, you know, as a result of that, you could get there. You could be sitting there in your house or your office. You're staring at this safe, this indestructible safe, and you're just thinking, all right, could I, could I try to bounce it hard off the ground and break it open? Could I, what can I do? I, I don't want to pay. I don't have the money to pay for this, to get a key to this thing. And it's just, and, and all along the way, as you're looking at this box, you're thinking in your head, there's this ticking going on. The clock is ticking. And if I don't pay the bad guys, then I'm not going to get the key. It's going to be locked in there forever or it's going to be destroyed. So hopefully that can help you appreciate the situation that the victims of ransomware have been put in. It's kind of you know, roughly what's going on. Again, not remotely technically the same, but just the idea is is close. So I'm sure you've considered how awful it'd be if you had to hard drive storing your photos fail, right? We, we've all, we've gone through that over and over. I'm sure a lot of you have experienced it. You've plugged in a drive only to hear that awful clicking sound and have a computer tell you that it's unreadable, or you try to boot your computer and it can't. It's just this sickening feeling. And you can imagine it if you haven't had it happen and you're lucky and you, you can imagine it. And if you had, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so we, you know, we talk about this all the time, the importance of a three, two, one backup solution. There's a photo taco on that. There's also on, on uh, backup and there's a really good article over at improvephotography.com, a uh, backup workflow. I'll put links to those in the show notes, but we're not talking about backup today. It's just a concept you've already thought about, I'm sure. But what you haven't thought of is this situation where you could lose access to your files. And unfortunately, there's a lot of backup solutions that wouldn't help you with this ransomware problem. We'll get to that in a little bit about what you can do and why that won't help you. But you need to notice I included in my really poor analogy that the bad guys did a very thorough job of this. They took the hard drives out of your computer. They took your external drives that are connected to your computer. They took the drives out of your Drobo or NAS system, and they put all of them into this safe that you can no longer get access to. And that's exactly what this thing does. This, this ransomware, anything connected to your computer, it can get to. 
um, and potentially some things that might not be directly like even cloud providers, cloud storage providers. We'll get into the details on that in a second. So then the question I hope you're asking yourself at this point is, okay, what can I do to protect myself then? How do I make sure I'm not one of these victims of WannaCry or any other ransomware that happens in the future? Is there something that can be done, something that's not too hard, not too technical that you can do? I know there's a decent portion of those listening who are Mac users. And like I said at the top of the show, you may have this this belief that you are completely protected from this stuff simply because you use a Mac. Almost every time there are posts from Windows users of any technical problem, there's Mac users who always are talking about, especially if it's related to viruses or malware, their single solution to the problem is, well, don't use Windows, use a Mac. <laughs> and I... Okay, it it's somewhat true. Absolutely. It's it's a little bit fair, but not completely fair. And I really I want to make sure that I impress upon even you Mac users that you are not immune to this stuff because you run a Mac. Absolutely are not immune. And yes, the Mac is more resistant to these kinds of things today when you compare it against Windows. Yep, absolutely. Yes, you Mac users do get to enjoy a little more protection. But malware for Mac OS increased 744% in 2016, including ransomware that was specific to Mac OS that was called Key Ranger that was uh, had this little outbreak in March of 2016. Now it was dealt with very quickly. It didn't scale up. You probably didn't even hear about it like you did wanna. But it's out there. It exists. It can happen. So please, please, please don't ignore the advice I'm going to go through now just because you use a Mac. You are not guaranteed to be safe because you use a Mac. All right, so let's get into my advice. That's the bulk of what I I wanted to have this show be around. So here is the advice that I have for photographers for protecting those priceless photos from malware. Now, I'm going to go through some general things. I have three general things that I want you to really try to incorporate into how you use your computer. It's not just as you're editing photos, but just how you are using your computer overall. I'm going to link to a really, really good article, too, from bleepingcomputer.com. And this this article is excellent. In fact, overall, bleepingcomputer.com is a very good resource for for lots of technical problems, but especially in the area of malware, specifically ransomware. They've got some very good advice. It's a resource that I have no hesitation in recommending you that you can trust and, um, and a good place to go if you're having these kinds of challenges, especially Windows users looking for help in getting rid of malware. There's a lot of advice and steps and things that are suggested through bleepingcomputer.com that um, I don't have any hesitation recommending that you go and take a look at and, and follow. They have an excellent article out there called How to Protect and Harden a Computer Against Ransomware. So they're trying very specifically with this advice to give you some, some things that you can do to protect yourself. I am not going to go through all of that stuff. You can go look at the article. You can read it. It's very nerdy. It's very geeky. They have uh, images and examples, and they've done the best they could. It's it's one of the best kind of write-ups I've seen to try to speak to what my wife calls normal people, because uh, she says I am far from normal in this regard. 
and uh, you know it, it's good stuff. So go check it out, especially if you're a Windows user. I think Mac users, there's some some stuff there that can help you too, but there's a lot more of it speaking to Windows. There's simply quite a lot more that you need to do or can do in Windows to kind of protect yourself. So Windows users, go check that out. Mac users, it's worth a read just to kind of be aware and uh, have a resource, know that where you can go for this kind of thing. All right, so the first thing that I wanted to talk about is keeping your computer updated, all right? So the WANA ransomware, it took advantage of a flaw that Microsoft fixed a full two months, 60 days prior to the outbreak. So before the, the whole flare up in the media and all these issues that the hospitals and communications providers in Europe had, they the patch had been released, the fix that would have made all of those computers completely immune to WannaCry would have been what was provided two months before it happened. And the problem then is that uh, there are too many people that don't update their computers. They didn't apply the security patch that Microsoft had released. And again, this doesn't just apply to, to Windows. This isn't just for Windows users. Both Microsoft and Apple release security updates frequently. And you really have to apply those updates to your computer. And you need to do it as fast as you can. Now, I get it that it seems to never come at a convenient time. All right? I understand. Because I do this, I, I have very little time to spend on doing my own photo editing. As a hobbyist, I do it part-time. I do it late in the evenings or very early in the morning, sometimes during a lunch break. I don't have a ton of time. And it's turned out a lot more frequently now since I'm spending you know, a lot of my extra time working on photography. The few times I go to my Windows computer where I edit photos from is when I need to do editing. And yep, that, that alert that's up there on the computer saying, oh, we need to apply updates. It's terrible. Cause you're like, I don't have time for this right now. I need to, I got photo editing to do. I can't go do this. So you ignore it. You either close the thing or you, you move it down so you can't see it anymore in the like lower right hand corner or something. And you're just like, yeah, I don't have time. You can't ignore it for long. Sure. Okay. Finish your edit. Finish your photo shoot. Edit the one thing, you know, to spend the two, three, eight hours, maybe eight hours that you need to on that. But at some point in that time, you probably need to take a break. Or at some point, you're going you're gonna to go to sleep. Take the time after you've seen that alert and apply those updates. It's just super important to keeping yourself protected. You wouldn't have any exposure to this kind of a thing in a lot of cases. So I guess I can't say you wouldn't have any exposure, but in many cases, if you're kept current on the patches to your operating system, so that's Mac OS or Windows, then you're going to have a lot of immunity to this kind of stuff. Most of the time, this stuff is using flaws that have already been fixed. Occasionally, they're not. Those are called zero days, and that's another problem, but fixes come for those pretty fast too. So if you can keep up to date on it, that's really, really helpful. And now comes the problem with that side. <laughs> There's a, the equal and opposite things. The good thing is you can update. The bad thing is, how do you know if you can trust that window that said you need to update? And this, again, is a place where my wife would say, how's a normal person supposed to do this? How can you tell? The bad guys know that people like me are giving you this advice to say you got to keep your computer updated. And they feed off of that. They know that if, if instead of... Uh, if they can get you to 
treat their bad software like it's some update for your computer that you desperately need, you're more likely to put down your defenses. You're more likely to say, yes, 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 go ahead. Here's my password. Here's whatever you need to install this software because it's supposedly an update. And that's a way they can get their bad stuff onto your computer then if they can convince you somehow that it's an update for your computer. And so how do you tell? Ah, it's so hard. It is a tough thing to do. There's no one thing to look for. There's not even 30 things to look for. It's all very different. The best advice I can give you though, it's, there's kind of three parts to it, to this. And it's tough. I, I really feel for you. The best thing you can do is not to install anything that you didn't go looking for. And I know that doesn't, it's hard to kind of rationalize that with these alerts that are coming up. How do I know if that alert is real or not? Okay, so my advice is this. If you have, if you're browsing around on the internet and a message pops up in the middle of your screen, your browser window, saying you need to update whatever it is, it doesn't matter exactly what it's saying it is, do not click on that window. Don't even click cancel or close or because they'll they'll wire those buttons too to make something happen. So note down maybe on a piece of paper, uh, somehow make a note about what it was saying that you need to update and then close your browser. Close the, the browser completely. Start the browser over again. Go and, and if it's software that you recognize, like let's say it was Adobe uh, Reader. Let's say that that was what it said needed to be updated. And... Uh, you noticed it said Adobe Reader and it looked legitimate, but you you following my advice, you didn't go do it. Then you just go to adobe.com. You go to Reader, it's the Reader section there of adobe.com. You find the latest version, you download it, and you install it. That's what I mean by go only download the stuff that you're going after. Don't do it because some dialog box took you someplace. That's just, it can be faked and made look so real that you can't tell for sure. That, so that, that's kind of the basic advice on that. Now, if it's coming from the Windows operating system or the Mac operating system, those, those notifications usually look a little bit different and they're not kind of right inside your browser window uh, frequently. And again, I know the distinction is, is really tough. I understand that. But um, those you, you might be able to trust a little better. But even then, there's usually some tools you can do. You can go into... On Mac, you can go into the, the store and check for updates and, and download the updates that way. In Windows, you can go to Windows Update and check for updates that way. Or for Adobe tools, for Photoshop, Lightroom, all the Adobe tools, there's an Adobe Fat Client that you can go launch. If your Creative Cloud is called the Creative Cloud Updater, and you go launch that and update your software. That's how you should try to do it. Stuff that you are deliberately doing, you're going through the tool yourself and you're downloading it. Not because some dialog box took you to uh, a thing that had you download a file and then you run that file that can get you in trouble and that's a challenge I, I totally get that but you got to keep updated and that's it's a tough thing all right so that's kind of the first one first sub thing under this keep your computer updated rule that I'm, I'm suggesting you need to follow to keep yourself safe from ransomware and, and malware in general the second sub rule under keep your computer updated is you really have to keep your software, all the software in your computer updated. It's not just Windows, not just Mac OS, but all the software. And I talked about, you know, the Adobe stuff you can update. 
uh, and and the most important ones to make sure you're updating are the plugins in your browser, which I'm sure you're not looking at regularly. You're not regularly trying to say uh, to go and, and find what plugins you even have. Um, Reader would be one of those potentially. There could be Java. There could be Flash Player. There could be different plugins. Those are the ones that are most dangerous because those are the ones that you're using while you're out, out on the internet where the, the environment is more dangerous. And so you've got to keep those things updated. And a lot of the browsers try really hard to do this, especially if you close and launch the browser. It's checking for new versions of the plugins for some of them. So you might see that. Uh, some of them you can kind of get rid of. A lot of them don't need Flash Player, separate Flash Player anymore. It's built into the browser and they keep that updated for you. But you need to notice that too. Is Google Chrome up to date? Is Firefox up to date? Safari, that will come through Apple. So, so that one will be kind of tied together. But those keeping those things updated are very, very important as well. And it's tough, again, to be able to, to keep track of all that. You've got enough things going on in a business to run and, and doing your photography. Trying to keep up with this is just tough. All right, so Bleeping Computer has some very good advice here. I mean, I don't use this software myself, but again, because I trust Bleeping Computer, I'm going to relay the information they have in that article I already said that I'll put in the show notes about how to harden your computer. They suggest running some software on a computer that will tell you when there's things that need to be updated, especially need to be updated for security purposes, meaning that the, the vendor of the software, if it's Adobe or, or whatever software you're running, will put out notifications saying, oh, we've got a release that has some security fixes in it, and you need those. So the, for Windows, they recommend, Bleepy Computer does, Flexera Personal Software Inspector. So that's F-L-E-X-E-R-A, Flexera. And I'll put a link to these in the show notes. Um, that's for Windows, and that will just monitor your computer. It'll see what's installed, and it will go check and say, oh, there's security updates for these things, and then it will notify you, and you're going to need to learn what those notifications look like, but it will notify you saying, this software needs to be updated. You should go get it. And then you don't even have to trust. You don't have to download it through that software. It could just notify you, and then you can pull up the browser, and you can go find the update for yourself. So that would be kind of a good way to, to make a compromise between the notification and following the advice to only install the stuff that you're going after. For Macs, you're not alone. You need this too. For Macs, there's something called Mac Update Desktop. And it does a good job of scanning the stuff. It does have a cost, though, of $20 every six months. It comes with a free limited trial, so you could at least run it and see if it thinks you have software that needs to be updated. But it's just a really good idea and a good practice to keep these there and try to make sure that your all of your software is being kept up to date. All right, the last sub thing here, the third thing under keeping your computer updated is if you don't need the software anymore, just get rid of it if you don't need it. So that would be one thing to consider maybe as, a, as one of these tools that I would just mentioned is telling you need to update some software. Think about when's the last time you used that software? When's the last time that you actually needed that software? And if you didn't, if you can't think of when the last time was or it's been six months or a year, then just get rid of it. Okay, if you need it again, next week, then you go download it, you install it and you do it again. But if you don't need it, just get rid of it. Then then you know you won't have the problem. Then even if it has a flaw because it's not on your computer, it doesn't matter anymore. So that's the third thing there. If you don't need it anymore, just get rid of it. Maybe even instead of updating it. If you can get rid of it, that's better than updating it. That's It eliminates the problem. All right. So updating your computer, super important. I hope you're convinced you need to do that. Number two in the general rules about how to protect yourself, 
I, I just have to mention email attachments. And now, of course, this is not new. This is 20-year-old advice at this point, maybe more. But the bad guys, email is used by everybody, all the time, everywhere. And it's very difficult to make secure. And it's very easy for the bad guys to make stuff super convincing and cause lots of problems. So general advice is never open an attachment unless you were expecting it from somebody. All right. That's the key is expecting it. If you get something that looks like it's an Excel spreadsheet or looks like it's a PDF document or looks like it might be a photo file even, something like that or a zip file from a contact that you know. It may look in your email like it came from a good friend or a close family member or something like that. It can all be faked. It can all make be, be made to look real and, and like it's good and you're excited to go look at it. It might not be some, you know, horrible... English in the email tipping you off that might be there and that that's good to look out for but it could look totally convincing and be bad so the best way to do this would be if you were not expecting someone to send you an attachment you weren't expecting that pdf from them or you weren't expecting that spreadsheet or you weren't expecting that zip file don't open it until you can talk to them. Either call them, text them. If you can, better outside of email, that's that's even better. If you can't do that, if you don't have time to contact them, don't open it. Don't open the attachment, but don't just hit reply either because that can be messed up by the bad guys to make it so it doesn't actually go to that person. Instead, hit new message, right? Create, if you're using Gmail, you're going to go create a brand new email all by yourself, all on your own. Don't just hit reply. Create a new email if you weren't expecting it. That's this is only if you weren't expecting it, and say, "Hey, were you sent? Were you sending me this thing? What is this thing?" And give them a chance. Oh yeah, yeah, I sent you that. That's right. Or more likely, it's no, I didn't send you that. And if that's the case, either a bad guy sent it to you, knowing that you have this person as a contact, or the that person's been infected with something, and they got you got email sent from them. So it's, a, it's just a really good way to kind of protect yourself against this kind of stuff. Um, there's other suggestions Bleeping Computer has in their article, especially for you Windows users that are very much worth considering. It's how I have a lot of my stuff set up myself. It doesn't impact functionality of using your computer for photo editing in particular, video editing. That stuff all works with following, even though you're following these suggestions. So I really recommend you check it out. What it can do, what uh, why I'm recommending it here associated with email is there's some things you can do to make it so that if by chance you do go and uh, open an attachment, then you shouldn't have, doing some other things might still protect you. And so it's, it's worth checking out and going through, seeing if you can do it. It's really nerdy, geeky kind of stuff. They've done as good a job as I think anyone has at trying to make it so it's not, but it, it still kind of is. Uh, still, it, it's worth checking out. So number two, number one, let's go over review. Number one, update your computer. Number two, don't open email attachments that you weren't expecting. Number three is regularly back up your photos. Now, like I said earlier, th this ransomware stuff can impact your uh, your all your hard drives. Anything connected to your computer network, or sorry, through USB, through Thunderbolt, through network connections, so like to your NAS, to your Drobo, to your Synology, 
or if it's a drive mapped on your computer to cloud, like say uh, the Dropbox client that creates a drive in Windows Explorer or in Finder. Yeah, if your computer can see it as a drive, then the ransomware can get to it, even the cloud backup. So traditional backup stuff or the things that we've mostly encouraged you to use, it's not necessarily going to protect you from ransomware. In fact, most of the solutions that you might be using for backup is not going to protect you from ransomware. All that stuff will get taken hostage too. That's that's a, a really important concept to understand. All right, so what can you do for backup? What can you possibly do? Two kinds of things that, that I think are somewhat, well, that, that can be effective, all right? The first thing is just not desirable to me. It would not work for me in my workflow. The first thing would be disconnect your USB drive or disconnect that Thunderbolt drive and stick it in a drawer or a closet. Have a drive designated as your ransomware backup. And okay, you may not have everything on it, but at least you're going to have a big piece of it. Even if you do it once a year, at least you're going to have everything past what you've done this year. Uh, if you do it once a month, then you're going to have everything that was uh, within the last month. Or, or, you know, older than the, within the last month, whatever that might be. The problem is it's manual. That's where it would break down for me. I know I would not do a good job of manually doing this every month. Now, if you can tie it to some business process you do, whether it's like invoicing or uh, doing payroll or something like that, if you can attach it to a, a thing that you do every month, every once a month already, then you can add this to that list you go, you plug in your drive, you back up, you unplug your drive, and you put it in the drawer or the closet so that the ransomware can't see it, can't get to it. All right, so that's one strategy. Not going to work for me, but for some of you, hopefully it would. The other strategy would be to use a backup system that is capable of versioning. So this is where the Synology might be, might be okay, or Drobo. If you can enable versioning in the backup then you might you'll you can be safe too because the ransomware if you are unlucky enough to become a victim of ransomware it will encrypt the file and that file will will likely end up being encrypted on your backup too but if you have versioning that can happen then you might be able to have that versioning be something that where you'll have the encrypted version and you'll have the unencrypted version in like an older backup of that file and that's, that's a really good way to be able to do this. Um, Backblaze, for example, which is my chosen cloud provider, not an ad for Black Backblaze. CrashPlan's another good one that can provide a, a, a similar type of thing. Backblaze has versioning of these files. And so it does not map a drive on my computer to my content, right? There's a, there's a client that is sending stuff from my computer out to the cloud, but is not drive mapped. It doesn't mean it's completely inaccessible, to the malware, they could certainly target Backblaze and they could try to go and uh, affect your Backblaze account and try to do some bad things. So it's not a foolproof thing, but it does do versioning. And if, if something terrible happened, I'm pretty confident, at least for me and how I use my computer and how I do things, I'd be able to go out to Backblaze. I'd be able to say, I want to restore up to this date in time. And I would be able to get everything prior to when stuff got encrypted. And I, I could have them send it to me as a drive and I'd be back up and running. So with WANA in particular, 
I probably would have been protected. I'm pretty sure that would be the case. May not be foolproof going forward, but I think that'd be the case. And you'd kind of have to figure out how the versioning works inside of your backup storage. If the computer can directly see the previous versions, then that's not gonna help. Ransomware will be able to, anything that your computer can see directly, like in a drive mapping, the ransomware can get to. So if the version system that the backup uses is just to make multiple copies and put them in different folders on that drive or the backup, that's not gonna work. That's not versioning. It needs to be something more underlying where the, the other version is something you can get to by uh, making some other calls and saying, I need to go back in time as this file changed over time and I need to cut the, the version of this specific file at this point in time, this date. If that is something offered by your backup solution, then you have a pretty decent way to be able to avoid this ransomware problem. Okay, and, and the bleeping computer article goes through that in some, uh, has some information there too, if that didn't make sense to you. So that's the third one, regular disconnected or versioned backups. That's number three. All right, so I, I hope that helps. I, I hope it's something that, that's making sense to you as a photographer, something you need to look out for and that you will keep your computer updated, you're not gonna open attachments that you weren't expecting, and that you'll have a backup system of some kind that's either disconnected or supports versioning. That's it for this episode, I hope you all enjoyed it. As a quick reminder, you can suggest topics for the show through the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash phototaco. Through Instagram, you can message me at Podcast or email, I know a lot of you like that, phototacopodcast at gmail.com. No question too basic or too complicated. If I don't know the answer, I'll get an expert to come on the show or I'll research it until I become an expert. Don't forget to check out the other podcasts on the Improved Photography Network. We have Portrait Session, Tripod, Latitude, and of course, Improved Photography. Also take some time to head over to the mothership, improvephotography.com. Constant update of articles there for news, gear, and other photo tip articles. It is the best way to improve your photography. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of improved photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a commission is earned. Olay!